when Donnie leaned over and whispered to West, um, Seth and just said, just follow me. I knew it was about to get real. <laughs> I love the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 13. John 13 is where we're going to launch out of this morning. And um, So I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to see if you was paying attention last week. And if you wasn't here last week, you need to remember these questions because I'm going to ask you again next week. So you ready? How many of you this week was an opportunity maker? An opportunity taker or an opportunity breaker? Think about it. You don't have to answer me out loud. But one day I might point at you and say, Jennifer, was you a breaker, taker, or maker? You don't have to answer me today, but be ready. Because I might ask you next week. She just panicked. Pop quiz, huh? But think about it. This past week, for the gospel, for Jesus Christ, was we an opportunity maker, an opportunity taker, or an opportunity breaker? And so, I'm going to be bringing this back in front of you a lot over the next several weeks and maybe the rest of my life. I don't know, because I like it. You know, whenever you start looking at what Jesus done for us, and, um, you know, we've been talking about, won't you be my neighbor? What's it take for us to be a good neighbor? Won't you be my neighbor? When the world looks at us, do they look at us and say, you know, I want to be their neighbor? Or do they look at us and say, hmm... I'm being honest. I told the 8 o'clock service, I got the best neighbor in the whole world, me and Michael do, because at 7.30 the other night in the dark, my dad was cutting our grass. <laughs> Didn't have to ask him. He knew a rain was coming, so he got out there and cut the grass, because he knew me and Michael wasn't going to cut it. <laughs> and he brings our garbage can out for us every week and, and stuff. And so we got the best neighbor in the whole world. But whenever you start looking at that, the people want us to be their neighbor. And so I'm going to read these scriptures to you, and I read them to you last week. I might read them to you again next week until we catch it. In Luke chapter 10, verse 27, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbors yourself. Are we loving God with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, and all our mind? And then the next one, and hopefully you're going to start having these verses memorized. Matthew 28, verse 18, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of age. He's making it black and white clear to us. Look, love me like this, and then would you love me like this, then I need you to do this. And that fits right in. Are we going to be an opportunity maker, breaker, or taker? This morning, we got to celebrate baptism. And we ought to get excited about that when that water's getting stirred. And God's blessed us this year. And he's blessed us over the last, you know, 25 plus years at Live Oak Baptist Church. Because our baptistry don't stay dry long. But you know, this morning was a direct result of a family that's put God first. And their children are seeing. This is two of their children we've baptized in the last couple of months. You know? That ought to excite us. That ought to excite this family to know what God's doing and God's moving. But then also to keep growing those young men into warriors. And us as a church to help grow them as warriors. And so when you start looking, you know, and you, and you look at this and say, are we, um, how are we living? Are we being a good neighbor? Turn with me to John chapter 13, verse 1. 
It says it was just before the Passover festival and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he already knew who was going to betray him. And that is why he said that not everyone was clean. And when he had finished washing the feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also shall wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, and nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now, Lord. Just say that we love you, Father, and I thank you for another beautiful day. Father, I thank you for water stirred. Father, right now, Father, I ask that you stir in our hearts. Father, and we hear from you and you only this morning. Father, we hear your word. Father, the stage has been set through worship already. So, Father, just let us hear. Let these words penetrate deep inside. Let us be changed. Father, let us be a good neighbor. Father, we love you. In the Son's name I pray. Amen. You know, as you look at these words and you start looking, you're thinking, well, that's not a big deal. But it really was a big deal when you think about it back then. See, we all have on pretty shoes or kind of pretty shoes, but we all wear shoes, right? You know, we don't walk around on dusty dirt roads. You know, if you walk out here, we've got concrete, we've got sidewalks and stuff. But back then, they didn't have that. You walked in dirt. Or you walked in mud. That was your choice. And so as you read this, you know, and to really understand it, that's the time, that was what was going on back then. People had dirty feet. So whenever they showed up at your house, and it depended on your house, some houses had servants. And so if, if they would have showed up at my house, and if I'd have had servants, and I'd have had servants, it would have washed their feet. That was a common courtesy. But then if you wouldn't have had servants then you'd have had a basin of water and a towel where people could come in and wash their feet. And I don't know if you've ever, you know, whenever I was little, I used to run around barefooted. I can't run barefooted now. I don't run with shoes on either, but I don't run barefooted. <laughs> but back when I was little, I could run, and I could run barefooted because my feet was tough. But now I can't take the garbage out without hopping and jumping. But have you ever been to a third world country? Who's ever been to a third world country? And if you ever notice, those little kids don't have shoes, you know, and they're ripping and running and nothing slows them down. But they will have dirt from their knee down. Literally, dirt. 
You know, or sometimes it's mud. And it might be mud from rain. It might be mud from sweat. And so that's what it was back then. And so whenever this was going on and, you know, and, and Jesus starts talking, he's trying to tell us, this is how you need to live. This is how you need to live. So it was a big deal. I need Mike. I need Jennifer Sims. Who else do I want? Mr. Randy, you'll be, you'll be my other one. I need y'all to come up on stage for me for just a minute. Don't be scared. I'm not going to bite. So y'all take off y'all shoes and socks. All the ladies are wearing combat boots next week. He could have done this yesterday after we was throwing out the mud, getting them hogs out of that pen. Father, we come to you right now, Lord. Father, I just thank you for today. Father, I thank you for the ultimate example that you set for us. Father, I thank you for the ones that serve you. Father, I thank you for allowing me to be one of your servants. Father, for me being able to, to be allowed to do your work. Father, I just ask that even right now, Father, through the rest of the service, Father, we just see, Father, how we're supposed to live. Father, and who our neighbor is. Father, we love you. In son's name I pray. Amen. Thank y'all. So don't get nervous. I'm not going to ask y'all to come start washing each other's feet. But isn't that what he told us to do? He didn't ask us. He told us. Now, I'm going to tell you, it's a humbling thing to sit at somebody's feet and to wash their feet. And for Jesus, God's Son, sent on this earth to set the example for us, to live it. He never asked us to do nothing he wouldn't do himself. His whole life was an object lesson for us. 
And so when we start looking at this and we, and you start thinking and you say, well, you know what? He was just washing her feet, but let's get a little bit deeper with this and look at it. You know, because when you start looking that evening, the meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas to portray Jesus. So that night around that dinner table, Jesus knew where he was sitting. He knew what was going to happen. He knew that he had one of his followers that was going to betray him, was literally going to walk up and kiss him on the cheek so the guards would know who he was to identify him. He knew that James and John was arguing amongst themselves over who was going to sit at the right hand and left hand. They wanted power and prestige. Even in the midst of this, of the example Jesus was setting, he knew what was going on, the, the strife with the, with the disciples. He knew that Peter was going to boldly declare, I will never, ever deny you. But yet he knew he was going to deny him not once, not twice, but three times. He knew that his disciples was going to scatter like a covey of quail at the crucifixion because they didn't want to be identified with him. But yet what did he do? He got up from that dinner table and he got down, took his outer garments off and y'all can say thank you for me not getting down to my underwear for y'all and y'all have to go to counseling tomorrow morning. But, and he got down on his knees and he washed their feet. He wasn't sitting at a table full of perfection. He wasn't sitting at the table that, you know, because most of us, let's just get honest. If we were sitting at the table and looking at somebody eye to eye and knew that they was about to betray us, if they knew they was about to throw us under the bus, what would we do? We'd say, leave, get up, get out of my house. We would protect ourselves, right? If we knew somebody was going to stand in a circle of people and say, I don't know who he is. Man, that person's a, mm-hmm, We would ask him to leave, wouldn't we? But yet Jesus loved enough. He loved to the bitter end. He loved to, he took his last breath and set that example. And he said, you know something, guys? It's bigger than us. If we're going to be that neighbor that people says, won't you be my neighbor? If we're going to be that neighbor that people want to be our friend, if they want to be associated with us, then we have to do the things that nobody else wants to do. We have to love the people that nobody else loves and genuinely love them. Because let's just get real honest. In the world we live in today, there's probably people right now that we can identify in our mind without even thinking that we would not invite into our house. We would not invite them into our house to eat with us, much less invite them into our house and serve them. But what did Jesus tell us? He says, do this. If you want to be my follower, if you want to follow me, this is what you're going to do. But yet we don't do it because he's not that God to us. The song we sang, you know, um, God of this city. Is he the God of our city? Because I'm going to tell you right now, we want Watson to change. If we want Livingston Parish to change, it's going to take God. It's not going to take us. It's going to take us living like Jesus so that people see us and they get pointed to him. And we have to own that. And how do we do it? We have to serve. So when you start looking, you know, who's sitting at your dinner table with you right now? Who are the people that you're pouring into? We need to surround ourselves with people that need to see Jesus. 
It's easy to love the lovable. It's easy to love the ones that believe what we believe. It's easy to love the ones that we know that are believers, that have accepted Christ. But that's not what he's calling us. That's not the dinner table he's calling us to sit at. He's calling us to sit at the dinner table of the ones that, that we know is going to betray us, the ones that's going to hurt us, the ones that's going to deny us. That's who he's calling us to sit with. But yet we don't do it. We run from it, as a matter of fact. Last night, me and Paige was watching um, Law and Order SVU. And it was one of the older ones. And Finn, um, one of the detectives on the show, had all of his stuff boxed up. And you'd have thought he was leaving completely out of the department. And he was all downcast carrying the boxes. I don't want to move. And then Olivia looks at him and said, you're only moving six feet. Literally moving a desk. And I laughed, but I said, how many times are we like that? God says, you know something, Johnny? I want you to talk to the person on the other side of the fence. Johnny, I want you to walk six feet over to the other side of this gas pump and talk to this person. Johnny, I want you to walk six foot across the hall and talk to the person in the classroom and cross from us. And we don't do it. Because we don't want to get uncomfortable. And we don't want nobody else's mess in our life, do we? Because people are messy. And as we start looking at this and we start thinking, well, you know, God, you're really not calling me to that. That's Brother Johnny's job. That's why we pay him. You know, that's Brother Donald's job. That's why he's on staff. You know, if they really want him in Sunday school, that's Brother Frank's job. He's over education. Let him invite him. Let him get messy trying to get people here. Student ministry, who wants to help with student ministry? Let Brother Mike do that. That's what we pay him for. And we start putting things into boxes, don't we? And pretty soon, and we have Jesus in this nice little box. And for some of us, the six feet is from that chair to we walk about six feet, and all of a sudden he stays in this room. And we're not taking him out. Because we've got God in this nice little box that we can open at 8 o'clock on Sunday mornings or 9.15 on Sunday mornings or 10.30 on Sunday mornings or sometimes for some of us at 5 o'clock on Sunday evenings. Or we get real stretchy then we might read a devotion on Facebook during the week and we take him out of the box real quick for that and we put him back in. But what's he calling us to do? He's calling us to get out of our comfort zones. You know, when you start looking, he says, he says, do you understand what I've done for you? You know, he goes through the whole thing and then he looks at him and says, do you understand? Look me eye to eye right now. Do you understand what I'm doing for you? What I've just done? You call me teacher. You call me Lord and rightly so for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I've done for you. He's making it real. Isn't he? He's making it real. And he's almost making it foolproof for us. So we can't argue that. Because Jesus was about redemption and salvation. He was about the people that needed him. He was about reaching the ones that needed to hear him and hear his love. You know, worship this morning. Wow! Wow, if you didn't experience God through worship this morning, through the words, and I don't know what you call the last part that Donnie went into, the ad lib, and I don't know what it is, but whenever the Holy Spirit said, Donnie, do this. 
We have to experience God, but then we have to take Him out. We have to take Him to our dinner table. We have to be willing to get uncomfortable. We have to be willing to serve because that's what He's telling us. If you want neighbors, you need to serve. Love me with all your heart, with all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. Love your neighbor. And when you do this, serve your neighbor. Wash their feet. Cut their grass. You know, if you're sitting here this morning and say, you know something, Brother John, I, I don't know where to serve. Come find me. Let me tell you, between the staff and the nominating committee and different ones, we can get you busy really quick. There is something you can do. From baking cupcakes on Tuesday for Mike to take to school, to helping with Awana, children's ministry is always needing more help because we're growing little right now. Amanda, we need help. Because those little kids need to hear Jesus every Sunday morning. We had to buy smaller tables and smaller chairs to get all the kids in the room recently. And that's a great problem to have. But we need people in there to tell them about who God is. And to love on them. And live it with them. And you say, well, how can I serve? And you know, we can, I can keep going on and on and on with lists. This week, we had a group of men go pray with somebody that I, I still don't know who it is. I just got a text and a phone call and says, hey, there's somebody that needs prayer. Well, a group of men go. And we had men go. That's serving. When you get ready to walk out in the foyer, there's a, a budget. And then there's another thing that says pump team phases. You can serve by praying. Because we need a lot of prayer. Because of the stuff that God has coming for us in the future. You know, our budget's changing. So that we can get Brother Frank here another day a week. And that don't sound like a lot, but that's a lot. The pump team has got hundreds and hundreds and thousands of hours into prayer and discussions and talking to people about where to bring Live Oak to the next level with buildings and how we can reach our community. That's all how we can serve. At some point, hopefully if everything goes through and God keeps moving the way he is, we're going to be breaking ground. We're going to need people to help us build buildings. We're going to need people that will be willing to come in the evenings and just sweep up sawdust. We're going to need people that can do electricity because I don't touch that stuff. You can't see it. It scares me to death. <laughs> But when we start looking at how big our God is and what God's calling us to do, it's not complicated if we love Him. But we overcomplicate it. Because we start saying, you know, God, <laughs> if you would have saw what I saw on Jennifer's feet, you wouldn't have been washing her feet. Mike leaned over and whispered, she's got a foot phobia. I thought he said she's got a foot fungus. That's why I saved you for last. I'm glad it was a phobia. I'm good with phobias. I know. You better hope they didn't have a foot fungus. That's right. Isn't laughter good at Jennifer's expense this morning and her feet? But when we start reading about how he loves us and about what he wants us to do, don't overcomplicate it. Love him with all your heart. For some of us, that's where we have to start. For some of us, we have to say, God, I need you to forgive me. God, I need you to forgive me. 
Because I know you sent your son down a cross for me. Some of us need to start right there. Some of us have prayed that prayer, but we've never stepped into that water like Alan did this morning. To be obedient and tell the whole world, I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. My father has done something in my life and I want the world to see this. For some of us, we need to step out and say, I need to serve. I need to serve. There is somebody that I need to serve. But when you start reading and you start looking and people ask, what does Live Oak Baptist stand on? Discipleship, teaching, baptizing, and going to the world. That's what we stand on. And we can do it right around our circles all day long. Yesterday I had the opportunity, uh, I took off. And uh, it was pretty exciting. My wife called me about 11 o'clock. She said, you through studying? I said, I'm standing in the middle of the Bonacary Spillway studying right now. She said, oh, you didn't go to church? I said, no, I'm at a hunt test. And I met a gentleman three or four years ago, and we've got to be really good friends. And, you know, I, I'm going to tell, tell you the quick story. A lot of y'all know how we register our dogs for my dog ministry. We register them scripture references. Well, yesterday we was running one of my young dogs in a competition down, in, um, down around Narco, Louisiana. And so they have these books that they put everybody that's in the competition. And they put the dog's call name. They put the dog's registered name. They put the owner and they put the handler. So we're standing there. And it was a tough test. I mean, it would be like some of y'all that do CrossFit, they tripled your weight that you have to lift, you know. And so when you walk up, and when we walked up and we was watching, I looked at Trent because he was handling her for me because he's been training. I said, I'm about to vomit looking at this thing, Trent. I'm glad you're running her. Because it was way more complicated than what a 16-month-old puppy should have been running because we run her up. So anyway, I want to bore y'all details. She smashed it. She did fantastic. There was 24 dogs that competed in that class. Only eight of them moved from land to water, and she was one of the eight. And she was the youngest dog in that, in that class. And so I'm standing there, and whenever she finished, part of me wanted to turn a cartwheel. Part of me felt like I was going to pass out. I was so nervous. I was way more nervous with these dogs than I ever got with my kids in competition. <laughs> and so, so we're, we're standing there, and I said, Phew. She did it. And there was a young lady behind me. She said, well, of course she did it because she loved you and she was obedient. Isn't that her name? Her name's John 14, 15. If you love me, you'll obey me. I turned and said, well, you got that scripture memorized? She said, no. She said, I was looking at the book and I saw it. And she said, I Googled it. <laughs> well, you know what? It worked because that's why we name our dog verses like that. Because this young girl sat there and went to the Bible to try to see what that verse was. And then she related it into what she saw. That was a successful morning for Johnny to be at the Bonacary Spillway. So you see what I'm telling you? Everything that we do when we're walking this earth, be obedient. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. Love your neighbor. And then be about discipleship and teaching and baptism. And when you do that, this world outside these walls is going to have to change. Because people are going to see it. And they're going to want it. But when they look at us. And they don't see anything different. Because we leave it in that six feet from when we get out of that seat. 
in the first six feet we walk and we leave it in this room, nothing's going to change out there. Because I'm going to tell you what the world needs is not a bunch of keyboard warriors on social media. They need people that love Jesus. And it's living it. And they're walking it. And they're breathing it. Man, that excites me. That excites me when you start looking at it. You know, whenever, whenever I, I read these scriptures like this and, and I start looking at what he's doing and man, I get excited and all of a sudden, all at once, I feel like I've been jabbed in the throat because I said, yeah, but God, we don't always do it. God, why don't we do this? Why? Why? This week, I, I had the opportunity to officiate a funeral for a 30-year-old young lady. Heartbreaking. 30 years old. And as I was dealing with the family, talking with the family, her dad buried a 100-year-old grandmother and then buried his 30-year-old daughter in the same week. What a contrast. Because we're not guaranteed anything. We need to remember that. The person sitting next to you, in front of you, and behind you, your neighbors when you get home, your people you work with, your friends at school, we don't know when they're going to take their last breath. We have to live it. We have to do it. He tells us, serve. I've set the example for you. Do what I'm doing. 